0: Hey guys, a quick heads up before this episode starts. There's a few things that Peter shows me that he's created jewelry-wise in this episode that if you're listening to the show, you're not gonna be able to see. But if you check out the video on YouTube or DTube, you'll be able to get a nice view of the beautiful creations Peter has got going on and his cool workshop studio. Of course, you'll still have fun if you just listen in, but I wanted to give you a heads up. Check the show notes for a link to the video version. and welcome to the one within all today I've got the great pleasure of bringing my extraordinarily epic friend Peter Merrick back to the show Peter is a slinger of shiny handcrafted treasures specializing in many different forms of jewelry crafting since we last spoke on the show way back in season one I've watched Peter's skills evolve and expand faster than just about any other artist I know and I know a lot of artists Not only is Peter an uncommonly skilled artisan, but he's also a psychedelically self-transformed individual who has been carrying himself through life by his own creativity for years now, which is a beautiful and inspiring thing to witness for somebody that is in a nine-to-five grind like myself and has been for a while. A great friend and well-known for his cheerful willingness to help others, Peter Merrick is a total package of the badass modern wizard. (laughs) So friends, please open the windows in those dark recesses of your soul and let the love light shine in as we all give Peter the psychic high fives and hugs he deserves. Welcome to the show, man.
1: Thank you. That's a bold intro, man. I got to give me a lot to live up to.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I like (laughs) to go big lately with those intros. It's kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, Why don't you just start off and let people know where they can see some of your work online? That'd be a good place to start.
1: Um, right now you could follow me on Instagram at rabbit raps, rabbit underscore raps, W R A P S. Um, or you could add me on Facebook, Peter Merrick, um, Instagram, probably I'm, I'm probably going to go more towards just sharing myself on Instagram. Um, I'm kind of revamping the way that I do business with rabbit raps more so towards, uh, not really taking custom orders and kind of uh, just creating things that I want to create uh, when I get time because now I'm, I've been working for a custom jeweler. Um, so, I mean, like I'm working the nine to five grind, but I'm still making jewelry. So
0: yeah, that's different than my, my deal.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I, while I enjoy that. I don't get too much free time to make the stuff that, my soul craves to make so to speak um, right and so I found that like making custom orders is it just takes up too much of my time to like you know feel like I'm pleasing somebody and then I'm trying and it's just too much for me where I'd rather just be kind of uh creating whatever I can when I can and not without a deadline kind of thing
0: yeah and then also you know art is something that Is infinitely valuable, really, especially uh, super good art like yours. And whenever a good guy like yourself is getting a lot of custom orders, I'm sure that you're like, okay, I'm cutting this person like a homie deal as much as possible, but I'm doing some super slick, uh, difficult thing that they wanted to elaborate. And the other way around being just make what you want and then you can ask for it what you think it's worth because of what you put into it. And it was what you wanted to express all around. It's kind of, uh, you know, I mean, I'm sure someday you might do some more commissions
1: for people. Not that you never would. But oh, I will again. I totally will.
0: why you would want to do that, man. It makes a lot of sense for your development.
1: hmm Especially right now. Like, I'm still learning every day. Like, I mean, half the stuff I do in here is practice. That, you know, it's, you know, copper and CZs that, that and fake stones in it just to get as good as I can before I start working with the real stuff. Um.
0: What kind of stuff do you do other than wire wrapping? You know, a lot of people are familiar with wire wrap jewelry, but you have a whole bunch of different techniques that you employ.
1: Okay, so now pretty much I've wire wrapped only like three or four things in the past six months. Um, I've been pretty much doing fabricated stuff. Uh, so that like <laughs> includes wax carving, uh, using sheet metal, uh, and then a lot of stone setting. So like pave, bead setting, flush setting. More your kind of traditional style, what you'd see at a jewelry store, but done with like a psychedelic twist to it. Yeah.
0: I saw that crazy sort of lightning bolt looking ring with a bunch of uh, different gems set in it that you had on Facebook.
1: Yeah, that one was cool. I like that one. It's uh, that, that style. That was a wax carved ring. So that, and that was a really fun process. It's pretty crazy how it works out. So it starts out as like a block of wax. And you trim it and shave it into the shape of that ring. Then I take it to a caster who takes that wax mold or the wax carving and puts it in this plaster and makes a mold of it. Heats up the plaster and all the wax drips out and all that's left is like a negative of the shape of that ring. And then they fill it in with whatever metal you want. Um, And then it comes out and it's like this really cool ring. That's so cool. It's like alchemy. Yeah, it is,
2: man.
1: It took me a while to wrap my head around how all that works. And then when I was like, man, that's really cool. Uh, so that's one of them, I love doing that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, it's really fun to watch you expand and evolve with those different processes and seeing what comes out because it always does have that sort of psychedelic twist to it. Um, we were talking about you having an Instagram. What was the handle on that again? Rabbit um, Raps. Okay. Yeah. Dude, have you ever considered making a Steemit profile? Have you heard of that website? What is that? Okay, I'm not, well, I'm not, familiar, not familiar. Listeners will know that I bring this up a lot, but it's you know, it's like evangelicalism. I'm not a uh, Bitcoin or blockchain enthusiast per se
2: because
0: yeah. there's obviously some weirdness going on with Bitcoin as uh, in particular, but Steemit is a cryptocurrency blockchain-backed social media website. I think it's the first one that ever has happened or that I even know of. But whenever you post things, whenever people upvote your stuff and you upvote other stuff, it generates transactions on this blockchain and creates currency. And, you know, it's digital currency. It's backed by nothing. It's basically mm-hmm. air. But even though that's, you know, super silly, you can actually turn that into other forms of cryptocurrency and spend it like real money. So you could, uh, you know, where, right now when you post something on Instagram or on Facebook, you actually have agreed to terms of service just by using those platforms that those images belong to Facebook and Instagram oh, okay. and Instagram is owned by Facebook actually. So whenever you post something on steam, it you own the content and it's completely yours. And so any value that that image creates through being, um, you know, popular and a lot of people share their art on steam and I think you would have a particularly unique um, thing to be sharing. Cause I haven't seen, I don't know anybody that makes jewelry like you do. So uh, you know, I will uh, tell you more about it maybe offline if you want, but it's definitely because okay. you can kind of basically make money for free while also, you know, advertising to a, a section of the internet beyond just people that you kind of know personally that have followed you on Instagram.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. That's cool. I'll have to check it out.
0: Yeah, dude, I think you'd dig it. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I really like when you share like process shots uh, and give a little story of creating something on there. Um, yeah. I a post, make a lot of money.
1: You can literally I've been thinking make, like, about doing of something of that like that, like a post of how the what goes in the process of making it. Um, just like even this piece. Uh, this is a piece that I'm working on. And uh, so this piece all started out used to be scrap wire it used to be stuff that I was wire wrapping and didn't like so I, I have this little box and I put it all my scrap wire in there and then I melted it down in a crucible poured it into like this little iron block square thing flattened it out on a rolling mill cut it up with a saw and shaped it and then put it there and now that's a new pendant and so I thought that was pretty cool and like the whole process of it of seeing it transform from a big box of wire to get melted down is pretty cool
0: yeah man uh could you describe that for people that are just listening although you could totally check this out on youtube if you're listening um but it's sort of like this jagged thin uh really unique looking looks like it's a fabrication kind of it is a
1: fabrication yeah yeah
0: it's like that's
1: um if I to describe it so I I every time I show it to somebody, I get another response of what it looks like. Basically in my design process I thought it was I was thinking of like this claw hand like shape uh holding this stone into place. I don't even have I can put the stone in there and it's not done yet, so I haven't set it completely. But the stone fits in the middle. There's an Imperial Topaz. I'll grab it real quick.
0: Oh cool. Yeah, it is kinda of like a claw but in
1: an abstract way. It's super- mm-hmm. So here's the little imperial topaz, and it kind of pops right in here in the middle. Uh, kind of like so. Oh, wow, wicked. And so uh, my design process, like my thought process was like, you know, I want to make like this claw-like shape with these tentacles coming out holding this stone into place and I start showing it to people and I get different responses from what they think it is. I've had one person tell me it looks like a scorpion. I've had one person tell me it looks like a lobster and I've had another person tell me it looks like a Spartan warrior or something. (laughs) And uh, so I think it's kind of funny. I actually kind of, when I look at it now I kind of see almost a gorilla like standing on its front hands. Uh, It's pretty interesting. I'll eventually post this and uh, share it with everybody and kind of do something like, what do you think it looks like? Kind of thing. It's so unique, man.
0: That's what, and there's like a sort of inlay type of carving action going on too. Yeah, can the, you see you know, the engravings? Yeah. It's uh very much more psychedelic because of all that. Uh, half the
1: whole back is going to be engraved as well. I still have a lot of work to do on that piece.
0: That's cool. Again, for people listening, Pete is in, basically like a home workshop for his jewel crafting alchemy it's pretty sweet he's got a workbench behind him all kinds of tools around and probably multiple projects and going on and it's it's awesome to see you in your element there man
1: yeah i can pop out a quick uh tour of the room here i'll turn off these lights so you can see a little better but basically right here we got I'm sitting at, like, the design sketch station, if you can see anything on this. Yeah, that's
0: cool. So Pete's got a sketchbook here where he's conceptualizing a lot of different fabrications, and that's cool. You've got a good uh, drawing hand, too, man. That's one well, thing you. that comes up a lot for uh, when I'm talking to artists is the idea of having sort of eclectic skill sets and how just doing... What you like to do, even if they seem unrelated, those things can end up kind of converging. Like I know you oh, were yeah. photography for some time, and then that probably has been a huge benefit to your abilities with. Right there. Yeah, right there. He's got his uh, DSLR with camera with a little photo box to do uh shots of his jewelry and little light box. Yeah. yeah, that's one thing I artists mean. don't like. Sometimes is the uh, part of it where you got to promote your own self if you want to get anywhere, and you know, that's, that's cool that you've got that uh, ability.
1: Yeah. I, that's what I studied in college, actually. I, it, so I studied photojournalism. Uh, so that's my kind of way of saying to my parents, like, hey, you didn't waste all, any money sending me to college. I still use my photo skills, you know? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and here's my bench. So if you see it, I wonder, I can't see. There's a microscope. This is a little light in here that I installed. Wow, yeah. So
0: you got to use a microscope to see the fine details of what you're doing sometimes. Mm hmm. That's so cool. You're like a fucking wizard, man. I'm serious.
1: Practice plate. I don't know if you can see it very well. I can't see what I'm showing you. Uh, Yeah, no, I can. Decently, anyway. Yeah, so it's like the cleaning. There's so much that goes into the process. This is where I clean the jewelry with a pickle pot. Ultrasonic cleaner, it's for sharpening gravers. Uh, keep the bits sharp. And I got a TV over there for some instructional DVDs uh, to like help me with the engraving process and figure out some stuff. My boss is at work actually. So that's a, probably the best thing about this job that I landed is that they're super supportive of me growing as a jeweler. Um, and doing my own thing. So my boss actually just bought me a couple, like an engraving DVD and he was like, yeah, man, like, he's like, I know you don't do engraving for us now, but he's like, I'm more than happy to pay for this if it makes you better. And then maybe one day you can do engraving for us, you know? So I got really lucky with that, that place working there. And even the other day I spent the first three hours of work, working on something I brought from home because we're kind of slow right now. So he's like, yeah, if we're slow, you know, just bring in whatever you want to work on and work on it. And then if we need something from you, we'll just tap you on the shoulder and just do it real quick and then get back to it. Uh,
0: That is so abnormal for a job, dude. Uh, Like it's a beautiful thing, man. That's like somebody that's actually trying to support you as an artist by giving you that job more than like as a human being. You know, Mm -hmm. that's, that's not sort of, that's not really a boss or authority type relationship. There's, you know, there's like total respect for freedom there. That's beautiful. Uh, I hope that other people find
1: jobs like that.
0: If you got to have a job, it sounds like a good one.
1: Exactly. That's kind of, so I'm kind of happy with, uh, the only bummer is that I'm like in Chicago where I don't really know too many uh, people in this artist scene. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I spent most of my time in here working and, you know, I got friends up here, you know, I grew up here and I got lots of friends up here, but not many people that are into creating stuff as much as I do, you know, definitely not as much as the Missouri area, you know, like people like you in St. Louis, there's, you know, hundreds.
0: Yeah. You're in you're an honorary Missourian. Yeah, (laughs)
1: exactly. I'm proud of that.
0: Well, you know, There's, it's kind of a common theme in the hero's journey of the artist to have periods of seclusion where you really just spend time with your work and your craft. So, you know, I, I find that even though I know a lot of people around here, I go for weeks on end, in sort of a seclusion, similar pattern to what you're describing, you know, going to work and then working on projects that I'm pursuing. And then, you know, the various things that are required to stay healthy and in balance also. From living life, sometimes you do have to give up a little bit of that uh, attachment to seeing certain people or uh, being with certain groups of people because that'll hold you back. Even they're they're gonna go with you if you go somewhere new. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, if they're really your friends, you could go years without seeing them because that's the flow of life. And it's like you know, there's an on and an off to the attractive forces of nature, and it it fluctuates, and you just accept that. And if you're pa- pursuing what you're passionate about. You will end up being around people that are just as worthwhile to be around as the other people that you cared about. You just, you know, it's that attachment to, oh, but we have so much history. Those are my best friends. You know, like I, I've I've struggled with that kind of a little bit in my past before. But most, I think, I got a healthy mindset on, and it doesn't really uh, phase me like it maybe would have when I first started out trying to be full-time pursuing, uh, you know, freedom essentially.
2: Yeah,
1: exactly. I know exactly what you mean. Like when I first realized I didn't have that job in St. Louis, I was really bummed. And, uh, um, I think it, it wasn't up until recently, like the past few months when this studio space kind of started falling together because, uh, I had like taken the carpet out, put this new tile floor in, I built this bench and I started saving up money cause I'm not paying rent, um, from my job that I can buy all these nice tools and I, st- I realized what the reason why all that fell through. If I went to St. Louis, I had been renting a place, probably paying 800 a month out of you know, my job, which I don't make that much money. Uh, but you know all my money would have been going straight to rent. And I really wouldn't have been able to afford all this kind of stuff. So while I was like, yeah, there are a lot of people I want to be around in, that, in the Missouri area, uh, I think it's better for me to be here now work through this and it, like you just said if you you know you'll see everybody in the future you'll all come back together and everything that'll happen you know it all happens intentionally
0: yeah man i like to just look at it as if we're all together all the time eternally right now already because yeah,
1: that's true
0: the whole external world separation is the aspect of reality that's the illusion right i mean we are technically just carrying each other inside of each other <laughs> that's weird, yeah. but- it's cool, too. And you'll even run into, I find that the more I sort of explore the world and get out there and uh, ex- expand past preset boundaries that I used to have for myself, I'll meet people that are almost living reflections of people that I care about from uh, other circles that I've been in. You know, it's like, maybe there's not even that many uh, sort of souls. And maybe they sort of just refract into a whole bunch of different versions of a the same person, who knows? I mean, yeah. nature is fractal like that in a way. We could sort of be living as uh, individuated versions of archetypes, if you will.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, just like even you said earlier, you don't see people doing stuff like me. There are plenty of people out there doing stuff like me, and there's quite a few people that are doing stuff like this at such a higher level that, like, I are, especially right now, man. I pull up my phone and go on Instagram because I follow all the like (laughs) a lot of jewelers. I mean, right now there's some, some of the coolest stuff I've ever seen being made. Uh, it's, it's pretty cool time to watch all this stuff happen.
0: Well, I will say I follow a fair amount of jewelers myself, but you know, as one that pursues it, I'm sure that you've got your eyes on all kinds of different people to learn from and just be inspired by. So, you know, I do that with, uh, Painters and uh, graphic artists too. I follow tons of people like that. It's cool to use social media that way to give yourself inspiration, as opposed to using social media as a way of just sort of numbing yourself by scrolling through pointless drivel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> you can fill up an Instagram account with a uh, ten thousand incredible artists and of all sorts of different types, and just be like, like um, whenever I make images, actually digital art, I. Oftentimes we'll go to Instagram and just start rapidly scrolling through my feed till I see a crazy image, and then I'll remix a couple of images together and you know at the end, it looks nothing like the original thing, but literally, I can just get material from uh-huh. that wide world of uh amazing artists out there. It's pretty
1: badass
2: We live yeah. in a cool time
1: i mean there's there's so much cool stuff I know exactly what you mean sometimes I feel like I do the same thing with especially with wire wrapping. I did that like where I felt like I had a flow of like three or four different people that I look up to. And I kind of tried like blended, you know, four like components of that all together and it kind of like made me. Yeah.
0: That's sort of what art is all about is uh creative combinations. Other Some people caught stealing, but I mean, there's nothing new under the sun. So what is there to steal? Yeah. <laughs> all is, it's all, self anyway if you're not stealing someone else's direct property then there's you know an idea has no ownership
1: in my opinion yeah exactly especially if you have the talent to execute you know whatever it is whether it's a painting stroke or a, a wire weave if you have the talent to execute it well you know then you're you got it and if you almost you, undoubtedly exactly put someone like it. somebody then it's probably like if you just literally copy something then it's probably then you know but if it's just little components that you, you know, share the idea of, then yeah, it's totally fine. And even direct copying is okay
0: in a learning capacity. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's going to be obvious that you're doing direct copying if you can't ever create something that is original, uh, mm-hmm. if you're trying to like hustle that, I guess. And and even that is okay. Like someone can make someone could do a mashup drawing of a bunch of cartoon characters that don't belong together and you're essentially stealing that art style, but you're not really stealing it. You're... Still, you know, again, it's all about those combinations. If you just bring, a, that's what alchemy is always about, is just like bringing two things together and unifying them. So uh, that's what's cool about seeing you pick up an electi- eclectic array of jewelry, jewelry crafting skills. It's, you know, you can start blending different modalities together and getting even more unique variations happening and mm-hmm. even more developing your own unique style that is less um, directly inspired by others and more just coming straight from you now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cool, man. It makes me happy to hear that you've got a good perspective on, you know, your move situation. I remember you saying you were going to come back out to uh, Missouri, but didn't know that that didn't work out. Um, yeah. You can still I come the festivals and stuff out here, you know.
1: Yeah. I think eventually, like, I'll be out there. But with the way things are going at this job, um, I'll be here for a little bit. Um, and I'm happy with that, you know, like I realize, like there's, there are phases that you go through in your life, like stages, you know? And, uh, like I, right now I feel like I, I'm, I'm aware that I'm in the beginning of a pretty big stage right now. And, you know, I, I could be here, like it could be five, six years where I could end up working for this place and I'm okay with that. You know, I kind of think about it. I'm like, you know, if I could work here for this place five years, build, keep building up contacts in the jewelry business, focusing on becoming the best jeweler that I can be and make the highest quality stuff, then, you know, when I feel ready for it, I could go back and start my own thing and really jump into, you know, starting my own jewelry shop for, you know, embracing rabbit wraps for all that it can be, you know. Hell Where, yeah, man. Cause I, I tried like doing the wire wrapping full time and it was really hard, man. Like it was really hard to make enough money and like get your full worth of, you know, value for your time. Cause wire wrap is not an easy thing. At least for me, it's not, you know, maybe some people can do it like super easy and you know, really quick, but like, you know, making especially pendants was took, takes a really long time. If you want to make, even with like decent size. If you want to make decent money, you have to charge a lot. And sometimes when you're learning, at least when I, I'm still learning like crazy, that I feel like I can't ask for a certain amount of money to, to sell a pendant because I don't think that the quality of it's all that good. Just because it took me a long time doesn't make it worth a lot, you know, kind of thing. It's hard to explain. No, but no. I'll, running your own business is tough, man. And yeah. I was like, I wasn't ready for it
0: yeah um, these phases that we're in right now, both of us, I feel like it's sort of a preparatory phase for being able to actually manage something like that. But you know the real pain of this all this shit is the commerce system itself. like that's what really bums me out is that we have a society that's structured in such a way that you have to try to get as much out of people as you can to get by. and mm-hmm. you know that's sort of like to someone like you, I'm sure it just you can't be that disingenuous, you know, if something, if you feel like you could have done a better job on something or that, you know, it's not really worth as much as you need it to be worth, you still probably will give them the better deal because you have a conscience and that makes life hard. (laughs) Uh, But I think it, uh, I think it's worth it to look at life in a way of honesty as much as possible. And uh, because what you need will come right I feel, i'm sure yeah. you've experienced that
1: like for example i need to ask you about the ring so i made you that ring for your wife um beautiful and, too. holy shit it's a cool but Little opal in the band keeps falling out and it's stuff like that that like i i kind of learned i won't do that setting anymore because mm-hmm. everybody i do it for it always falls out in that place and like you don't find it out until like six months down the road after you give it to them And it's like little things like that, that like, you know, you can't be charging a lot of money for stuff that if it doesn't stay together, you know, that's on me. Like I should be, I need to figure out how to make the best jewelry that holds in there forever. You know?
0: I mean, I totally agree with you that it's of course a good idea to keep wanting to improve your skills and seeking that. But, um, you know, I think it's worth, I don't think that, creative, uh, mistakes are failures. You know, yeah. you're, you're doing something cool. Like how excited, you don't even know how excited we were or anybody else that has seen Haley's uh, ring how excited they are to see all the intricacies of it. And that at the band that goes under your finger, there's actually stone set in there and it's really cool. And I guess opals are just particularly soft and can kind of yeah. wiggle their way out over time. And, you know, that's something that you can repair. You can modify if you, you, because you are an honest tradesman (laughs) (laughs) uh, repaired it for us before. It's no big deal, man. It's cool though. It is cool also to see that you can learn, okay, that's not going to work that way anymore, but that doesn't mean you can't do it a different way. that still kind of achieves the same effect.
1: Yeah. That's the thing with opals. Like you said, they're soft and having them on the inside part of a band, you know, whether you say you grab your hand on a railing or you're walking up the stairs you hit that on a piece, you hit opal on metal pretty hard, it's going to chip, crack, fall right out. Um, It's such a soft stone. So it's stuff like that that you kind of, that I had never thought of the hardness of stones before, you know. Uh, And now I'm kind of thinking about stones in a different way and, like, how you can use them and, you know, how it will be good to set certain stones and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, people love your work so much that it needs to have some longevity because they're going to just wear it everywhere all the time, man.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thank you.
0: Yeah, because that stuff is like – that's the kind of stuff that is kind of cool to identify yourself through, um, individuate yourself through works of art and creative, unique expression. I've got a pendant that I wear all the time. I've got a couple of rings that I wear all the time. Each of these things are completely – unique and represent a type of energy that I'm seeking to embody in internally and um act out in the world, you know, and that's that's a cool way of individuating yourself. I feel like this I feel like the secret of the universe that the artist has figured out that other people seem to don't really understand is that who you are is a choice. So like whenever you're doing anything creative, the thing that stops people from doing anything creative is that they don't want to make choices they want to just sort of defer to the authority structures of life and just kind of get by and not have to make choices in art it's literally nonstop choices and you can't even the secret is you can just choose whatever you want and that's what art is whereas people that don't realize that they're like i don't know what to do i don't know how to do it you just choose something right but like with who you are as a person i think the artist either consciously or unconsciously seems to figure out at some point that, oh, who I am as a personality, I even get to choose. It's not like completely set in stone. I don't have to be the same reactive uh, thing that I used to be.
1: Exactly. I like that, the choices thing too, because one thing I'm learning now too is you have to also, as an artist, you have to know when to stop. You have to, you have to know, you have to first just start and then you have to know when to stop. That's one thing that I've always struggled with—is working too much on something, overcooking it. And uh, yeah,
0: I, I have had that problem many times—overcooking a, a, a project.
1: Hmm. So sometimes you just gotta realize, like, perfection's outside of the realm of reality. You're never gonna get it perfect. So sometimes you just need to accept where it's at and be like, you know, I'm still learning. I can't, I can't be perfect all the time. This is going to be as good as I'm going to get it for now and let it go.
0: Yeah. And then you'll do some more projects and then later down the road, you'll circle back around to that same problem again, but then you'll be like looking at it with new eyes and it won't be the same result. And that's a cool mm-hmm. thing too about sort of the spiral path that the, the journey of <laughs> expanding yourself and creatively expressing yourself tends to take Uh self betterment is the same thing in my opinion, you know, So both in your creative path and in your just life in general, you'll get thrown the same problems, uh, repeatedly. And it's up to you to see if you can do it better every time, I guess. (laughs) Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of ways you can kind of turn around and look at art and compare it to like, to life and, and moving on and evolving and, uh, because like, I mean, I look at my work and how much it's grown. And then I also look at myself at like how much I've grown from, you know, when I was in high school, like if you ever tell me I was going to be a jeweler, I'd be like, you're crazy. That was the furthest thing. Like I never once thought about jewelry until like I started making it. And it was like overnight, everything just like changed. And I was like a wire wrapper and I was like, what the hell? When did <laughs> this happen? You know, it was weird.
0: You know, let's get a little background going. I'm don't think that most people uh have heard season one episode whatever that you were on i think maybe like 16 uh but because that was a long time ago Mm -hmm. you know it's in the archives it's not even out there unless you're on patreon so let's just recap slightly and you know what got you into wire wrapping what you know what was that transition from high school peter like to wire rapper peter because you know i i totally feel what you're saying if i could if I was standing in front of my 18-year-old self, I would be like completely, probably, I could probably not even imagine just how different that being is, at least energy-wise and like mentality-wise to this being here. It's super weird. It's like being a different person entirely.
1: Oh, yeah. it's crazy to think about. Uh, so if I were to recap, so I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago Uh, and then I went to high school at an all boys military Catholic high school. So it was J R O T C and it was ran by a monastery of monks. Uh, really interesting experience. Um, like throughout the all of high school, I pretty much hated it. And that like, but kind of, I was like everybody that went there just like hated it. And then it's one of those things that when you're older, like, cause you know, we had an alumni come in when we were there and they're like, one day you're going to turn around you're going to be grateful for coming here. And now, I mean, it's kind of like anything in any situation in life, really, even if you hate it at the time, no matter what you're going to look back on it and be like, I'm thankful for that experience. You know, I'm glad that that happened. Um, but like I was into like sports, I played golf and in baseball my whole life. And I still play golf actually. Uh, I love golf, uh, but then I went and studied photojournalism at the zoo. And while I was like studying photojournalism my senior year or my fifth year senior year, which was like three and a half years ago, uh uh I started why I started going to music festivals. That's and that
0: was like, the uh, thing that gets those kids changing. Like, yeah, exactly. exactly. The weird
1: hippie versions
0: uh-huh.
2: of the <laughs>
1: And so then I saw Wire Wraps and like immediately connected to them. Uh, And I remember like seeing them online really first and uh, from somebody I had met at a festival sharing stuff and I saw these pictures and at the time it was all like the top Wire Wrappers. Um, This is back in like 2013 or 2014. Um, And so all their work was like $1,000 plus, you know. And I was like, man, I really want one of these. They're so cool. But like, I was like, I can never afford one of those, you know, a thousand dollars for a piece of jewelry. Like I can't afford that. And so I was like, you know, how about I like try to make one. And so then I tried to make one and I went down to like, I went down to the local Ace Hardware and like bought steel wire for <laughs> God knows what. And like all, I bought like a couple sets of pliers, but like, not for making jewelry. So they had like all the bumps on the inside of the mouths. Cause I literally had no idea what I was doing. And like, I I didn't even go to, I didn't even think to go to Hobby Lobby. You know, my first thought was like ACE hardware has wire. I'll go there. Uh, And so like, I bought like, you know, I spent probably like 20 bucks. Wasn't that much. And I wire wrapped a glass bead of, I, I actually have it right here. I wire up this, like, glass pendant that I got at uh, Wakarusa.
0: Oh, was that yeah. your first festival? Yeah. Me too, in 2013. Yeah, same year. That's weird. And we're both uh, alumni of University of Missouri, too, so. Yeah. When did you graduate? Uh, uh, 2012.
1: 2012? Okay. Well, I was a little late to graduate. I graduated high school in 07. Okay. I graduated high school at 09. I graduated from the zoo in 14. Cool. Well, yeah, like Wakarusa and music festivals
0: like that have such a powerful transformation effect on people. It's like, I I personally think of them as the modern psychedelic vision quest rite of passage entry into adulthood. That some people never have an experience like that. So the fact that we're able to create sort of a surrogate for that experience that should be a natural part of our culture, in the music festival world, and it strictly comes about because of the community of people. It's not really because of Wakarusa itself. I mean, you know, there's probably great people that were working for that production company, too. But, you know, it's that community coming together and inspiring each other, just like what happened to you. You have no idea how many people have seen your work and then went, I'm going to try that. And like, yeah. some of them actually kept at it. You know, you've not, you, there's no way to know. Probably a lot.
1: I've never even thought about it like that. That's actually a pretty cool way to think about it. Like, if I could inspire anybody to do this, that'd be pretty cool. Uh,
0: could be happening right now. I mean, we're talking about it to right? people right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Hopefully, man. I'd love to teach this kind of stuff, too. Like, Oh, that'd be cool. After going to school and, like, my teacher, this guy, Blaine Lewis, I went down to school at New Approach School for Duelers. Uh, he's just one of the coolest guys. He's got like such a big heart and he was was an extremely talented jeweler who basically was like, I'm going to stop making jewelry and I'm just going to teach people. And I think that's like, I think that's really honorable thing to do is because basically he gave up like making stuff and making lots of whatever. Maybe he would have made lots of money, but he just gave up making things to teach other people how to make things. And I think most people wouldn't want to, I know I wouldn't want to completely give up making things, uh, but I'd like to teach a little bit, you know, to kind of give back because I think that, I don't know, I look up to my teacher so much. I'm like that. It would be cool to be like him a little bit, you know?
0: Well, okay. So that Steemit website I was telling you about, you can kind of do both, man. (laughs) Nowadays on Steemit, they've got their own video platform called DTube. So you can upload video straight to that. And it's not a huge, it's not a huge network of people yet. So it's kind of like one of those social media sites where if you have really good content, you could become like a a large channel that, as the platform grows, uh, picks up traction quickly. I'm just saying, it's a great time to jump in, and you could totally, mm-hmm. with your photojournalism training, you could easily create. You know, just set up your camera in a place to show with your hands and show what you're doing, and start doing some videos and uh, posting on both there and probably YouTube and seeing what kind of attraction you could get because, oh, yeah, you know, that actually creates, in the world of the internet, that kind of stuff creates sort of monetary value automatically if it's good. And the sooner you get it out there, the sooner it starts, that snowball rolling downhill starts getting bigger and bigger. And, <laughs> uh, you know, that could be a big thing, you know, uh, teaching people. There's always going to be someone out there that instead of going to Ace Hardware and buying wire, they Google how to wire wrap first.
1: <laughs> I didn't even do that.
0: But that's cool, man. That's br- like brave and exploring. And that's really cool. You just wanted mm-hmm. to do it your way. That's also really impressive. I think that speaks to the fact that you're called to do it, that you didn't even need to go look it up.
1: Yeah. I remember you. You remember grassroots smoke shop in Columbia? Yeah. Uh I remember going in there after having wrapped this steel and you know how it's like, it's not shiny. It's like, cause it's, like steel wire and it rusted I walked into the grassroots and the guy had uh some wire wraps in there and I remember seeing them and they were all shiny and they looked amazing and I, I looked at the guy and I go how do they get those so shiny and the guy goes <laughs> I mean it's like it's silver and I was like well what's this and he's like that's steel and I just like felt like such an idiot I was like man like all I need is just silver and so then I googled like silver wire and I ordered some And that's kind of how, but like looking back on it, I'm like, I can't even believe I thought that way. It's funny. Steel has
0: got qualities too, just like any other type of metal or alloy though, as far as like, if you look at um, stones and metals as having metaphysical traits, which I think if you are looking at the world as everything is actually inside of you or inside of us at all times, then easily everything could have symbolic qualities that actually impact consciousness in some way so you know I personally have had lots of experience that stones and metals have an impact on my reality experience in subtle and sometimes not so subtle ways so you know steel that being your first thing that you you created it out of that has some interesting uh qualities to it you know it's typically it's recycled as well it's kind of like kind of like that other piece you showed me that was made out of scraps uh
1: it's completely unique. Hmm. Yeah. The only thing about steel is that it just, it rusts. Yeah. That's right. The, the only problem with it for, uh, if you don't take care of it, it will like kind of just start to slowly fall rust away. And yeah, I work
0: for a, a steel company actually. Yeah. <laughs> a steel fabricator. So you probably know a lot about it. Sort of. I mean, I'm a computer guy, so I mostly just keep the computers working and okay. <laughs> take, take pictures of stuff. Yeah. But, yeah, like um, metals and alloys, interesting. Um, what, what stones are you most drawn to personally? Like, what do you really like to work with?
1: Well, right now I'm working with this Imperial Topaz, and I've always really loved Imperial Topaz. Um,
0: Which is super I- orangey and, like, uh, it has a lot of, sort of
1: sunlight. Um, energy to it, from at least what I can tell. Oh yeah, and it's got like the, those inclusions in it that like actually give it like a rainbow effect, kind of when you hit it in the right light, where you see like green and yellow and red kind of mixed in there. It's got it. I just really love it, and I like the shape of it. It's like blocky and square, but with a nice termination. Um I also really like uh, tourmalines. Uh, I think most people are really drawn to tourmalines just because they're nice and jemmy. And when they're in their natural form, they're, they can still be really nice and jemmy uh, and like really, really pop, which a lot of uh, a lot of stones you have to like kind of carve and and shape like, you know, opals. Usually you have to like find the right spots and kind of work with that to kind of cut them and carve them into making them look presentable to put in something where tourmalines just in their natural form all look awesome already yeah Uh, then you know sapphires uh i really like sapphires they have like star sapphire calves really cool look i've always been drawn to those um opals are also really cool too i love opals uh they have that like really psychedelic-y, you know, when you get a nice opal, it's got this really psychedelic pop to it. It's like reflective. Yeah. Um, Lab rights are really cool too. Like I've, I've got this piece right here. I wonder if I can get to a, a nice Oh, look. If I can get it to... Oh, wow. Yeah, that looks good on the camera.
0: I hope you guys happen to watch this one on YouTube instead of just listening. This is one that happened to be good to do that. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah, this is one nice. of my favorite
1: pieces of labradorite for sure. There's the back.
0: Labradorite is really nice for keeping around, like the, your bed and sleeping area. It's super holographic blue stone. It's got qualities of um, enhancing dreams, calming, and grounding, and tourmaline is really popular. I think because It's also super grounding and detoxifying energetically, and we all have a lot of stress built up in our personal fields at all times, just from interacting with. Especially in a big city, I know you've got a little bit more to contend with there energetically—quite a bit more, I'd think.
1: Oh yeah, walking walking to work, man. Like it's just a herd of thousands of people, like piling off the train because I take the train in the morning. A herd, Um, and it's yeah, it's literally it's a herd of people. Um, I mean, it's so funny to me too. It's like, you see, like getting up, everybody's just in such a rush. Like, and that's probably not any news to most people, but it's like weird for me to see it. Um, because like, if you would have also like told me I was working in the city, I would have been like, you're crazy. I would have never expected me to be doing what I'm doing. I actually take the, I commute to work with my dad every day. So my dad and I get on the train and then like when I usually sleep the whole way there in the morning. Then I I wake up and I get up and I kind of just like hang on and everybody's just like rushing to get off the train, rushing to get to work. And I'm just like, all right, you guys can go. I'm just going to wait here in the back and I'll slowly make my way off. (laughs) Um, It's it's super interesting. There's so many people that are just on this, you know, you start to recognize people and I just like see these people and like every day is weird. It's funny.
0: Yeah. It's like, even though you see these people every day, there's this sort of, Veil of separation because you're all in your little bubbles, just like I'm just going to work. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like people in a city, you know, when we're in cars driving to work, we're all like five feet away from each other, but we act like there's nobody around us. We're singing in our car, dancing, like completely alone or whatever, but there really are people right there, and our energy fields completely overlap and interact and synergize, harmonize, or do, or the opposite of that can happen pretty easily. So, it was funny how people in cities kind of like on the train act like they're in cars and separate from each other, even though they're standing right next to each other or sitting right next to each yeah, other. Yeah, literally
1: sharing a seat, you know, it's, it's weird. We are really closed off for sure. And I mean, I'm not saying that I'm not guilty of it too, because, you know, especially me in the morning, like, don't even try to talk to yeah. me. Dude. I sleep the whole way there. like, And that's just like my routine. But like, and sometimes like after work, you know, I, you know, but I also ride with my dad after work too. So then me and him are kind of, we're talking the whole time usually, or sometimes he's got work to do, but like pretty much everybody else is just like dead, quiet, lifeless. You know, it's, it's really, it's interesting to see.
2: Yeah. uh, It's
0: one of those, I guess like sayings, I don't know if it's a Buddhist saying or whatever, but to be, completely present and meditative and clear minded and everything good. Whenever you're like out by yourself in a cabin in the woods, that's all great. But to be able to maintain any semblance of spiritual sanity in the midst of really big, busy city life, that's what it's for. You know, that's what the tools yeah. of keeping yourself together are for is for these type of environments. We're working in those spaces because you know, you can be a light, Energy-wise, to people around you. Even if you're sleepy, just being a good person is uh, a good rippling effect outward to the field around you. So, uh you know, it sounds like you maintain some zen, and even just kind of taking a nap—that means that you're peaceful. I mean, it's a good vibe to put out there. Yeah, as long as I'm not snoring, which <laughs> I
1: know I could be out there snoring and pissing off everybody on the train. But does
0: anybody do like yoga while they're on the train?
1: Oh no, there's not enough room. <laughs> no way I actually thought I was talking about with my dad how like cool because I like wish I could have more time to exercise and stuff and I was like would it be a cool idea to have a train car with like an exercise yoga room you know what I mean so people on the train could like do yoga or exercise on the way home instead of wasting an hour sitting down uh but, you know, I think that would be a cool idea, but I'm never going to pursue that. But uh, throwing it out there if somebody wants to invent that.
0: <laughs> yeah, we're putting that out into the field. We want exercise trains. That sounds good. I mean, maybe you could just, like, charge them an extra dollar to be on the exercise train. Who cares? Yeah. Yeah, we do need more options to be mobile. Just where I work, most people sit in a chair for eight hours of the day. So that's definitely – harsh on the body. I've been trying to get more into movement and stretching and yoga lately, and it does have a great effect on the stress levels. I mean, it doesn't really change what's happening in your life, but it changes the way you feel about it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I know what you mean. I used to practice a lot of yoga, and I've actually – late like, the other day, I I couldn't say I did a full routine. I just did, like, three sunrise salutations. And just even doing that, like, I did it right before getting sitting down at the bench – and, like, my back was feeling tight so I was, like, kind of leaning over and sketching for a while. And so I got up to go work on something, and I just did it. And I was like, man, like, why did I ever stop doing this, you know? <laughs> like, you yeah. can feel the, the benefits, like, almost immediately with, like, stretching out your body. Uh, it's something that I needed to get back into.
0: Yeah, but even whenever you fall out of a practice, you still have all the times that you ever did it before that have strengthened you for where you're at now, where you, ha- you haven't been able to do it as much. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's, time is just the illusion, right? So all the moments that we experience are one. So every moment that you spend in practice like that, the stronger, the more like grounded to whatever that gives you, you are at all times. I always thought that that's why there's old man strength, because even though they may not have worked out for a long time, all the shit that they've done their whole life, is built up and they're still that strong. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Strength is mental, right? Like a lot of strength is mental. It's how well does your consciousness communicate to your brain to communicate to your body to do a certain thing. And that's sort of more on repetition and what you expect out of yourself as much as it is on your actual physiological capacity. Because fucking moms lift cars off of their kids whenever they should never be able to do that. So
2: yeah.
0: it's all mental.
1: It's like, you know, how many times have you seen like a little guy? And you're like, I would never want to fight that guy because he's crazy. You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Those know. are the wild cards, man. They're probably the strongest people, the people that have the craziest minds.
0: Absolutely. Um, absolutely. <laughs> if you have no fear, then you're pretty hard to deal with as a, oh, yeah. a being. You know, that can be a positive thing, too, if, as you're going through life.
1: Mm-hmm. To, be, to be a little crazy <laughs> yeah.
0: in a fearless way.
1: Um, yeah, I think we all are a little crazy in our, own, in our own unique ways, you know.
0: Yeah, and I don't think the, the areas where it's not harmful, I don't see a problem with it. But even where, like, things are neurotic and causes problems in transforming those behaviors, we activate our true inner innate powers. Yeah. So they're kind of useful because they're the fuel because they get you noticing that you're not maintaining some aspect of self in a, a balanced way. And whenever you do make that switch, all of a sudden it's like whatever the thing may be, you've lifted it off yourself and you're that much lighter and stronger. Mm-hmm. Cool, man. Yeah, uh, you been reading any good books? you get into anything um, like any... What are you into in your free time? That's not jewelry crafting these days. Uh,
1: well, I guess the book I'm reading right now is actually called "Drawing and Understanding Scrolls," but that just goes right back into uh, to jewelry making because that's an engraving type. I got it right here. This is the this is the hardcover "Drawing and Understanding Scrolls" by Ron Smith. Um, Fancy looking. Yeah, it is. So that's what I'm reading right now. My mom got me a a book for Christmas. I can't even remember the name of it that I was gonna read after that uh, while I'm on the train coming home. But I can't remember the name. Uh, What else have I been into? Other than jewelry, playing hockey. Um, I I play on a hockey team with my dad and three of my brothers. Uh, It's like a men's league team. We play on Sunday nights, Uh, so that's really fun. Uh, it's good exercise and good family bonding and stuff like that. Uh, I spend a lot of time with my parents actually, well, I live with them and I live with my older brother and his wife and their newborn baby. So that's actually a really cool experience. So like watching my nephew, he was born a month ago. So yesterday was his one month birthday. Um, so that's been, it's been really cool seeing him, like, every day and kind of get watching the experience of having a kid, which is really, really weird, uh, and, and not have it to be me. You know what I mean? Not have it to be my kid. Like, it's kind of it, – it makes me excited to have kids in the future. Uh, but, like, right now I'm definitely not even close to being ready. But, like, seeing, you know, a new life being brought into the world and watching him, like, grow – And I know it's only been a month, but still like he's gotten, he's gained like three pounds and just like watching him. It's super interesting watching him kind of like come to consciousness. Uh, and like, you can see like his, like when he like wakes up, he's got this just like, he does these stretches that like you, it's almost like you're like watching him, his body, like him, like for like getting comfortable. You know what I mean? Like getting comfortable in his own skin. Uh, that's been cool. Um, It's like they intuitively know some yoga moves when, well, you know,
0: whenever you're an infant, you're a lot closer to source. You were just blasted out of a vagina portal into the three-dimensional realm from the infinite. (laughs) It's cool that you get to have that connection with your family going. I think personally, and I imagine that this is something that's mirrored in other people's lives, but like the more – balanced I become with myself, the better my relationship with my family becomes, and the more balanced and uh, healthy the expressions that I see from my family members also become in their individuated behaviors. You know, no one's perfect still, but we all seem to, like, get better together collectively, if you will. And I, I spend a lot of time around my folks, too. I think it's, um, uh, there's nothing wrong with moving away from your Family or parents, if you're called to go do something else, but like, if you have a connection with your family, that's it's good to embrace that, and it's a supportive thing. It's really, it's just really a nice thing, I guess. And I, I hate how culture creates the wedges between the families and wants people to move out and be separated from their biological
1: uh, progenators as soon as possible. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, there's, there's certain, like, you know, I, I do look forward to the day when I do move out again, sure. but, but right now, for the time being, I'm enjoying it for what it is. And you know, when I lived in, I lived in Columbia for seven years and like Columbia, Missouri, not the country. Uh, and I know you understand that. I'm saying that more for listeners. Cause I say that to people sometimes, they're like, you lived in Columbia and they thought I was like, lived in the country. I'm like, no Columbia, Missouri. Uh, so I lived there for seven years. And while I was there, I changed a lot. I mean, I, it was probably some of the biggest changes. There's where I became a wire rapper and uh, was doing, a, like, going to these music festivals and doing a lot, of, a lot of things that kind of change your perspective on life. And, and I would come home for a weekend, and my parents never really got a chance to fully get to know the new me kind of thing. And uh, so since I've been back, you know, and it's been like a year and a half now, uh, since I've been living here, that they're like, they, they've they gotten to know who I've became. And I've rebuilt this completely new relationship with my parents as an adult now, where, like, I see them as friends. I don't keep secrets from them anymore. You know, I'm honest with them about everything. And, and like, there's just a completely different uh, aspect of our relationship that's, I think, a lot more fulfilling. Um, and I'm really, really thankful for it. I couldn't be more thankful for my parents.
0: That's a cool attitude to take. I personally can remember, you know, we talked about Wakarusa, and you're not the first person I've even. Uh, the, the last guest I had was, uh or a few guests back, I guess, was Jamie Seed, if you know that guy. Yeah. yeah. We talked a lot about how Wakarusa. Really
1: awesome us.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. We talked about Wakarusa being like a psychedelic rite of passage. And, um, you know, it's weird how you start to become so different that you actually have to re-integrate with your own family members uh, after going through these big life-changing experiences like festivals can create. And I think bringing that sort of spirit out to our families is part of healing the world actually, because you can't get everybody out to these wicked awesome art transformational festivals, but we can bring different selves back from those places and,
1: you know, make the world better for our little corner of it. hmm Check out my work at Rabbit Raps on Instagram, Peter Merrick on Facebook. Uh, come follow along as I progress as a jeweler. And if oh, yeah. anything you like, shoot me a, a message and uh, I am willing to sell some of my stuff, but I'm not not going to be taking custom orders for for a little bit while I work on figuring stuff out and getting better and practicing so I can give my customers the best uh, I can give them. Cool,
0: man. Um, thanks for coming on. Really fun to talk to you as always and good to catch yeah, up and see where you're at. I'd love to bring you back if you're ever launching something new like maybe some uh, instructional videos or a new website or whatever might come uh come out in the future that you never know what's around the corner right so exactly let's stay in touch and we'll talk again hopefully sooner than the the previous
1: uh, episode was that was kind of a while back yeah for sure man it's great to catch up and see slash talk to you or see through the digital realm but uh it's always great to hear from you awesome
0: dude thanks again much love
1: all right love you
0: man take it easy Always a pleasure to talk to my good buddy, Peter Merrick. Hope you guys enjoyed this chilled out conversation as much as I did. And remember, if you want more, there's always the plus extension. Just head on over to patreon.com forward slash interverse and you can subscribe to get yourself access to early episode releases, some other stuff like you get uh, patron chat hangouts. We're going to do one at the end of the month here on the 31st where we can all get together and have a little free expression convo between us and then most importantly with the plus extensions you get almost twice as long of an episode every week so if you're interested in extending your interversal experience then hop on over to patreon and subscribe you can also help the show by subscribing anywhere on the internet like iTunes, SoundCloud, um, posting links to the show to your friends, telling a friend about it in person, or going on iTunes and leaving a five-star review. That's actually quite helpful. If you do that, I'll even read it on the show. I'll mention your handle, and I'll say, thank you so much for the review. Anyway, that'll be it for this week. Stay tuned for more Interverse next week, and make sure that you keep your heads up, keep trying to be creative, and keep trying to be a good person right at least that's what i'm doing it's not as hard as it sounds but it's also infinitely harder than it appears (laughs) okay i don't know that's enough rambling check out Humphreys mcgee for the music in this episode all that's linked in the podcast notes and of course check out peter merrick's work at rabbit raps best place to do that is on instagram thanks for listening guys and may the universe ever conspire in your favor as you move towards further and further expressions of your own freedom. All right, love
3: y'all. Bye-bye. And if you see it laying round, it's all right to take it. It's nothing at all, and if nobody saw, who knew? But if the circumstance is right and you're mistaken... But I'd say that it's quite a few. Never speak too soon when an idea needs to level. The decorations can be made, won't make them true. And if you don't make room in your backpack for the devil, you'll have the weight of the world lifted off your shoulders, too. in the crowd, if you've been thinking out loud that's stop. No, I'm not suggesting here that you should hurry, but if everyone's out for theirs, could there be enough? Don't be flustered by your falls when they're occurring, it they won't be factored into the final score at all. So if morality calls you up and leaves a message, talk better advice, so I'll listen to it more than twice.